everybody. I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer on this Thursday night. Boy, we got a show for you tonight. Um, a little later in the broadcast, we're going to take you to the Helena Symphony. They've got their big Under the Stars event going on this weekend on Saturday. We'll tell you how to get in and get your stuff. <laughs> it's a, And it's a really cool organization, so you're going to hear a lot about that. Uh, we're also going to be talking to Tim and May with BS Free MD. They just put uh, some other content out on their podcast. They're going to tell you a little bit about that so you'll know what's going on. Bill London will be here with national, local, and uh, Oregon news for folks. Um, but we're going to start out uh, um, with something that I'm working on, a new project that I'm doing. Um, and I'm really excited about it called The Truth About Timber. Now, for years, I've covered timber and covered the spotted owl and covered the industry. And as you get doing this, you start seeing some of the mismanagement of the message. And for instance, when the spotted owl, uh, you know, we, there was years of coverage of the spotted owl. And then it was discovered that it was actually another owl that was chasing the spotted owl out of its habitat, not loggers. And that was a 30 second blip on the news. Um, and now we've got, uh, you know, things going on with the climate. And what we know is that trees are the best carbon sequester in, on the planet. So why does the environmental community refuse to look at the management of forests and instead leave dead and dying trees on the ground to burn, which creates more carbon? Um, in, uh, in Oregon, where I was from originally and uh, where this broadcast is going to you know, end up mostly, um, when there was the fires a couple of years ago on Labor Day all over the state, more carbon went into the air at that time from those fires for that month long period than went into the air for the entire year for industry and, and vehicles. That's how much smoke went into the air from a fire because we weren't managing our forest. So we're gonna be doing a series of these. We're gonna have conversations with logging folks. We want the other side of the story told because so many people have bought into um, this, uh, the environmentalist view of the timber industry. And it's just inaccurate, to be honest. It's just so inaccurate. So tonight we're gonna to start, uh, I went up to Astoria um, and met with a guy named Jay Browning. Now Jay has a logging company and he has a really cool story of how he got to that place in his life as well. He was also one of the guys on Axman. His crew was on Axman a few years ago, that series on, uh, on logging. Um, but we went and talked to him about kind of why he does what he does and also his concerns about what's going on. And, and I'd love to hear your comments on this, but pro and con, I'd love to hear what you have to say. So let's take a look at this. I was always kind of curious what why where did this fascination come from is what we do to earn a living really something we choose or is it something in our blood I was very fortunate uh, to be adopted into uh, a medical family uh, my dad was uh, a very well respected eye surgeon in the Portland area Jay Browning always dreamed of being a logger, 
but his dream never made much sense considering the makeup of his family. We had seven surgeons in the family, all together, cousins and stuff. And Browning says he never quite fit the family mold. On the day I turned 60, I got a call and um, the lady said, this is Marilyn, I'm your biological mom. And she goes, do you have any questions? I says, yeah, mom. Is Why since I was five years old did I always want to be a logger? And she said, well, I grew up in a logging camp and your grandfather was born in a logging camp back in Minnesota. And his father was a logger back in Denmark. Finally, it made sense. Jay owns J.M. Browning Logging Company in Astoria, Oregon. These forests, these mountains, and the rugged terrain are the place Browning has worked most of his life. I couldn't believe what, what I was doing working in that big, beautiful timber. Took it really serious. You know, if I was going to lay out a, a tree, I was going to get everything I could out of it. Browning is not alone. Those who work out here do take it seriously. This is not just a job site, it's where they live and recreate too. Browning lost much of his hand and his arm in a logging accident. Logging is hard, dangerous work. But the biggest threat to the timber industry is man-made. If it keeps going the way it is now, the, there won't be anybody here. Why? Arbitrary regulations and misinformation are harming small family-owned businesses like Browning's. Browning and others want to tell truth about timber, show us what he and others like him do to not only harvest a product we desperately need, but also what they do to protect the woods, the wildlife, water, and the communities around them. I, I'm really nervous about the, our future here. Many in the industry believe the general public misunderstands timber practices of the past versus what actually happens today. And it's not just about the jobs, it's about the forest itself. I'm, I'm out in the forest almost every day and what I see, you know, the stands of state timber that uh, are overripe. You don't have to look very hard and see all the young trees coming up and, you know, five years from now, you won't hardly see much of the ground in here. Oregon timber is a sustainable crop. When taken care of, it not only cuts down on wildfires and promotes livable habitat for wildlife, it also produces the best carbon filtering system known to man. And look at how these trees are coming back. You know, and here's a good example of timber harvesting that works. Healthy, managed trees filter and store carbon. Dead, dying, rotting, burning trees release it. Browning says if Oregon doesn't figure it out soon, fires and what he calls the lack of good forest management will destroy the forest, the industry, and the communities that depend on it. Replanted trees are, are the carbon basket. They're, they're what is what 
helps keep us alive. Wood consumption does not go down when we prevent our state's industry from making wood products. Rather, our wood is outsourced from other countries that don't share the same values, stewardship, and responsible forest practices that loggers like Browning hold every day. The people that make their living out here, um, I don't think even get listened to. We are the experts. We are the stewards of the land. No, I didn't go to college to uh, get a forestry degree. I, I came out here to get my forestry degree. Out here, we cut down trees and then we replant them. And trees grow back and species thrive. Jay Browning is the picture of an Oregon logger. He loves being out in nature. It's a whole different world out here, it, you know. Uh, it's too bad we can't get the public to understand a little bit more of what goes on out here. Maybe to better understand what goes on out here requires more listening to those who do the work. I do feel like I'm a steward that thinks more and takes more care of the the forest, the waters of the state, uh, the wildlife, than uh, people that call themselves environmentalists. Long before taking care of Oregon's timber became a headline, a cause, or for some a religion, people like Jay Browning were already taking care of it. When Browning looks at his life, he can't believe how it's all turned out. Nature or nurture, Jay's not really sure, but what he does know is for this industry to continue, those who make the rules need to play by those rules and listen to the voices of those who work in the woods. I definitely felt that um, God had one mission for me and that was to be a logger. So, um, yeah, perhaps it's time we stop listening to the public relations people and uh, the folks who've made this into a religion and instead start talking and listening to the people who work out there every day. Uh, some of the proposals they have in Oregon right now will destroy uh, small communities in Oregon if they continue with this. And I think it's, you know, I, I find it really hip hypocritical um, when I hear city councils and county commissioners and, and state legislators and our governor talking about affordable housing um, while they keep making rules that make it less affordable uh, to produce lumber. And, uh, and then everybody goes, oh, those big, rich timber companies. Um, go do your fact check. Go find out your information. Um, our next segment, Bill, Bill London joins us. And uh, this is sponsored by Dr. Michael Bratlin. Dr. Michael Bratlin is one of our oldest and longest running uh, sponsors. Uh, he believes in freedom of speech. He believes in dental care. He believes that you should have the right to go to any place, um, no matter what your decisions about your political life are. So he is, their theme is open to everybody. Here's Dr. Michael Bratlin and Bill London.
Good evening from the News Radio, 1120 AM and 93.7 FM KPNW Studios. I'm Bill London, co-host of The Wake Up Call, heard 6 AM to 9, Monday through Fridays. And this look at the news is brought to you by Dr. Michael Bratland. He's one of those guys who sits around and does this. He owns Chris Dental, where they'll see anybody. All right, so North Korea launched an intercontinental ballistic missile on Wednesday, according to the office of the Japanese Prime Minister. They said in a news conference the missile flew for about 70 minutes and landed in the East Sea, more than 300 miles east of the Korean Peninsula. That comes 10 days after North Korea threatened shocking consequences to protest what it called U.S. provocation spy flights near its territory. Now, on Tuesday, Day, NATO allies called on North Korea to end its nuclear weapons and ballistic missile initiatives in a communique. I guess this is North Korea's way of saying no. After 127 years in business, San Francisco's Anchor Brewing Company is closing its doors. And I'll admit, I've had my share of Anchor Steam in my life. Anchor is considered the first craft beer brewed in the United States, and it roots its date root, goes back to the California gold rush. So why are they folding? Well, the simple answer, economic factors and declining sales. To be a little bit more specific, Anchor Brewing spokesperson Sam Singer said the impacts of the pandemic, inflation, especially in San Francisco, and a highly competitive market left the company no option but to make the sad decision to cease operations. And that they have. The announcement was made right after 1 a.m. Wednesday morning, and brewing has stopped. The crew is going to continue to package and distribute the beer on hand until, they hope, the end of July. They say there's hope another buyer might step in to purchase Anchor and keep it in San Francisco, but that hasn't happened yet. FBI Director Christopher Wray insisted Wednesday that the Bureau is quote, absolutely not protecting the Biden family amid allegations that the Hunter Biden probe was influenced by politics. Ray also refused to answer questions from the House Judiciary Committee lawmakers on whether President Biden is under federal investigation for any alleged criminal bribery schemes. Ray told the committee about the good work of the FBI denied any alleged politicization within the Bureau and blasted claims he is biased against conservatives. On that front, he said, that's somewhat insane. Despite those denials, Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan from Ohio maintained his commitment to stopping the weaponization of the government against the American people and slammed the, quote, double standard that exists now in our judicial system. So if you live in Oregon, there is a new publicly funded health insurance program headed towards final state approval in spite of the concerns about the impact it's going to have on Oregon's health insurance marketplace for individuals and small businesses. So here's what this new plan does. It provides totally free health care provided by coordinated care organizations. So there's no premiums, there's no co-pays, there's no out-of-pocket costs, there's no deductible, and this is for people that make too much money to get on the Oregon Health Plan. 
they say about 200% of the national poverty level. The Oregon Health Authority says that about 100,000 people are going to qualify. So you may be asking, well, how is this going to get paid for? Well, it is going to get paid for by a tax on your private health insurance premiums. According to the latest statistics, the annual costs and increases for a family of two adults will be an extra $4,800 a year on average. Well, on Monday, the Eugene City Council revoked its ordinance banning natural gas in new residential structures. And here's what different folks are saying about that. The Western Oregon Builders Association says that the city of Eugene made the right decision to vote to repeal the ban on natural gas. Sid Lichen, a former Lane County commissioner with the group, said that it's important for the public to be able to make their own choices with energy sources. According to Lichen, the city of Eugene made a unilateral decision and they should take an issue of energy choice and put it to a public vote. Now, the city passed the ban, the city council, on the natural gas in February as part of their climate plan, but a number of groups and, in particular, citizens pushed back, gathered enough signatures, put the issue on the November general election ballot. And since the city has voted to repeal the ban, well, that means that that's not going to be on the ballot in November. Now, here's why the city council said they're going to do it because the federal Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled against a similar law in California. And they say, well, they're going to wait until Berkeley's appeal is resolved. Meanwhile, Sierra Club's Dylan Plummer, a vocal supporter of the natural gas ban, claims, we're really optimistic there's other legal avenues available to the city to pursue to kind of get the same effect of transitioning future construction off of fossil fuels in our city, which is a nice way of saying the city's going to figure out another way to try and ban it. And that's likely the way it's going to go. The ban won't appear on the November ballot, but the council did agree that they're going to revision, revisit the issue within a year. Okay, why did they do this? they say it had to do with Berkeley. No, it had to do with the fact that it was so easy to get the signatures to put it on the ballot that all polling showed that Eugene citizens didn't want the city council to do what they did. And so it's more of a saving face thing. So the city of Portland wants staff members to adopt what they call a culturally conscious vocabulary, including not using words like women, Caucasian, or citizen. Why citizen? Well, because they feel it might trigger people who aren't citizens. The Office of Equity and Human Rights pushed an inclusive writing guide to alter commonly used terms within city correspondence and anything the city or anybody that works for the city writes. So some of the things it includes is replacing pregnant women with pregnant people. Also, instead of saying feminine hygiene products, to say menstrual products. And instead of breastfeeding, chest feeding. It also says that the word black, when used 
in relationship to ethnicity should be capitalized, whereas white, when used in referring to ethnicity, should be lowercase. Oh, this is good news. Hey, July is National Vehicle Theft Prevention Month. Hmm. I wonder what that means for Oregon. We'll find out. So the Oregon Division of Financial Regulation, the U.S. Department of Transportation, and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration is just overall urging people to be aware of vehicle theft. So in the U.S., last year, vehicle theft cost owners $8 billion. Shockingly, more than a million vehicles were stolen last year, reflecting a 25% increase in vehicle theft totals compared to previous years. All of the stolen motor vehicles, or of all of them, passenger vehicles, about 74% were the majority of those stolen, with an estimated occurrence of one motor vehicle theft every 32 seconds. And where does Oregon rank in the country for stolen vehicles? We're number five. We're number five. That's based on the highest rate of vehicle theft for 100,000 residents. So who has more? Colorado, the District of Columbia, California, and New Mexico. And Oregon, we're number five. Washington came in at number six, and Montana didn't even make the list. So for you folks in Montana, we're number last. And finally, Multnomah County, that's where Portland resides, or at least a big chunk of it, says now that it's suspending its plans to distribute tinfoil, straws, and what they call snorting kits to drug users across Portland. Part of the Multnomah County Health Department's harm reduction program looked to offer clean paraphernalia for using hard drugs and to offer services to its users. It's now suspending Further, pending further analysis, that according to County Chair Jessica Vega-Peterson. According to the county, the health department moved forward with the proposal without going through the proper protocols. After pausing its distribution of safe smoking supplies, a health department spokesperson said they'll get legal analysis to deepen confidence and assurance in its operations. The community, local leaders, and Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler pushed back against the plan. Wheeler went on record saying, and I'll quote him, what the county should be doing is providing more treatment. That's what the public overwhelmingly says it wants. What the people on the streets say they overwhelmingly need. And instead, they're being offered up crack pipes and tinfoil. Yeah, that's pretty much Portland. All right, there's your news brought to you by Dr. Michael Brathland of Chris Dental where, well, they'll make your teeth look great. All right, Rick, roll out the reel. All right, thank you, Bill. Um, I'm sorry, I, I'm not sorry, I'm gonna comment. Um, and people ask why I left Oregon. So you're gonna tax regular people more money, $4,000 a year to pay for other people's insurance. Why don't you let everybody pay for the insurance that they can afford? Let the marketplace run it. That is so Oregon. That is just so, so Oregon. And then I have to laugh at the natural gas thing. First of all, you know, come on. We have an energy shortage anyway, and you're gonna limit another source of energy. 
Uh, that's a smart idea. And so the Eugene City Council virtue signals and they say, oh, here's what we're going to do. We're no more in new construction. Well, then that Supreme Court decision comes down. But like Bill says, that's not why. It's because they saw the polling. It's because people in Eugene came unglued and said, how dare you? You're supposed to represent us, not your own little niche and your little political views. And so what you guys need to do in Eugene is get a new city council. Um, because obviously they're out of touch and they will come back after living there as long as I did. They will be back. They, they'll try to slide it in because their constituents uh, want that. And what, But obviously what they heard through the polling is overwhelmingly the community saying, uh-uh. And I know Springfield wouldn't do it, but come on. I mean, it's so idiotic. It's unbelievable. And then you have the fifth highest rate of car theft. And why is that? Because you let criminals run amok. Your district attorneys and mayors don't get, take things seriously. And, um, and you don't back the blue. You know, if you back police officers, you might get something done. But that doesn't happen there. Um, I got ramrodded for doing a billboard with Dr. Bratlin saying we back the blue too. And you would think that I said Satan was God. Uh, these people came out of the woodwork. Um, and they still are. But you know what? I don't really care because uh, I live in Montana where we don't even show up on the list of car thefts. You can leave your car running at the grocery store when it's really cold and leave the heater on. Go in, shop, and come out, and it's still there. Um, okay, so uh, that was sponsored by Dr. Bratlin. Now, we've got uh, friends Tim and May. They're both doctors out of Sweet Home. And they do a podcast called BS Free MD. They do another program on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. And that's called Doc Tales with Cocktails. And now they have another little program. So here they are to kind of explain what's coming up on their show this week. Tim and May. MD podcast. What have we got going on? On Monday, we had a show come out, which is a repurposed Doc Tales from our live Wednesdays with a special episode with Ryan Heath, a attorney and attorney. That's giving us updates on what he's doing in the medical freedom world as far as new things he's been involved with potentially what's going on in the Kerry Lake election scandal and more but that's a real fun episode yes <laughs> yes Ryan Heath teller of truth and sewer of bastards anyway he's from the gavel project if you want to look him up we have truth bomb that came out on Wednesday yeah Wednesday the 12th Tim would you like to tell us what you dropped yes. as the truth bomb this week briefly is, but without giving it all away it it is my single absolute 100 biggest pet peeve in all of medicine the difference between hydration and heat exhaustion is massive heat kills as much detail as possible in 13 minutes it's awesome you can go longer than you think without drinking water while you're running that race and now we're going to have something really fun so last year when we first moved here um that some friends of ours had already lived in Halibut a year. And they said, oh my gosh, you have to come to this night. It's under the stars. It's like 18,000 people. I'm going, 18,000 people show up to hear a symphony concert? They go, it's not just a symphony concert, although I would show up to see a symphony concert with the Halibut Symphony. But they bring in singers and it's like, this is like the big deal. And so I'm going to, we have two local sponsors and one of them is Fairway Independent Mortgage Company, the Hinkle Lending Group. And Greg's a good friend, he's a good guy, and he can take care of you. He's right in downtown Helena, um, in, in our beautiful historic area down there. And he can do loans in Oregon, Washington, 
and also in Montana. He's a good guy and he knows what to do. And the other is Montana Oral Surgery Dent Dental Implant Center. Uh, they, for one, really love the Helena Symphony. Want to sponsor anything we do with them. And uh, they're, they're an organization, a place where I know you're not looking for a oral surgeon. That's like the last thing you want to know. But when somebody tells you, you, your dentist says you need to go have oral surgery, these people, they can do everything. We introduce you to the doctors. We bring all kinds of videos through the internet to show you who they are and what they do. So it's really fun. So this uh, event that's coming up is a big deal. And so joining me is Cameron Becci. And you are with the symphony and we've been working on getting you on here. And we're going to be talking in August to your symphony conductor. Is that right? Yes. You will be chatting with Maestro Alan R. Scott in August. And he's really excited to, to come on the podcast and chat with you about our upcoming season. You know, I got to tell you, Cameron, when we moved here, I, you know, I came from an area of about 350,000 people in a metropolitan mm -hmm. area and we had the Eugene symphony. And it was, it was wonderful because, you know, you go and you think, I, I was surprised that an area that size had a symphony. Sure. But then they come here with hella greater Helen in that the valley is really, you were telling me earlier, 60,000 people. Mm -hmm. And you, you've come up with how many, how many musicians are in the actual symphony? Sure. So we have about 75 uh, musicians that play in the Helena Symphony Orchestra. And then we also have a fabulous symphonic chorale, and they are about 100 strong at this point, and they are all volunteers from the community. Um, our musicians are paid, and they actually travel from across the United States to come and play with the Helena Symphony. Really? So that's the 75 are? Yes. Okay. And then the others, the, the 100, are mm -hmm. local community members who fill in as well, come in and play with them. So there are symphonic chorale, and so they'll come and they'll sing um, at a variety of our performances. They sung at Symphony Under the Stars before. They'll sing with us at Christmas in the Cathedral. We just did Sweeney Todd to complete our season last year um, in May 23, and the symphonic chorale was um, extras and background people, and they were moving around sets. And so they really do a lot, and they're a very exciting part of our organization. So why is it so important, do you think, to have a symphony? in an area like this in Montana? Sure, of course. Um, you know, I think that our, our mission and our vision really speak for themselves. Our mission is to engage, enrich, transform, and inspire lives through music. And I think that that really embodies what we mean to this community and who we are as an organization. We have a bunch of core values that really um, resonate with this mission and explain who we are, one of them being education. We host education concerts every season. Wow. There are about four symphony kids concerts and one annual youth concert. Those are completely free to the public. And then, of course, we also host our Masterworks concerts, our non-series concerts, Christmas in the Cathedral and Mozart by Candlelight, and then Symphony Under the Stars. Um, and so I think that we really truly exist for our community, for the larger Montana community. Um, and I think that, you know, symphonic music and this community building um, way that it has of connecting people in Helena and across the region, I think that that's what we exist for. We exist to um, to bring people a musical experience that they might not be able to access otherwise, um, and also to create a space for the community to come together. Well, you know, when sometimes when I'm out mountain biking, which oh, Montana mountain biking on the back roads, um, beautiful. It, oh, it's just, but you, I put on some of my symphony, you know, podcast stuff that I yeah. have from my my channels on Spotify. 
and you dun, 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 and I'm writing through the mouth. It's like, you know, I mean, one time I actually saw Julie Andrews come over the hill. No, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, you see that and it's so beautiful. So it makes sense. So tell people about this evening under the stars. Cause I went last year and you would not, I don't think anybody would ever believe this is like, bring your blankets the night before. I mean, it, it this is like everybody you're getting a good seat and you got to get there early. Definitely. So this Saturday on July 15th, we will be presenting the 19th annual Intrepid Credit Union Symphony Under the Stars. Wow. And each year the theme changes. So last year was the music of Billy Joel and Elton John. This year will be the Great Ladies of Jazz. And this is going to be just such a fabulous concert on the on the campus of Carroll College um, that will highlight the Helena community as well as the Helena Symphony Orchestra. Um, our fantastic soloists that we're bringing, we're bringing um, Nova Peyton and Aisha DeHaas to perform with us. They are renowned for their extraordinary talent and we're just very excited for this upcoming evening. And so, so people go in the night before and you mm -hmm. put your blanket down yep. and, and we're in Montana so you can trust people and you just lay your blanket down and then the next night you come in and everybody's like, we had friends just save a space, but they, you run it. I mean, people plan their whole day around this. So yeah, we actually uh, begin blankets on 3 p.m. the day before. So this will be tomorrow on Friday, July 14th. <laughs> and people will come and at 3 p.m. everyone will be will be lined up and we're gonna let people in um, to place their blankets. And it's a whole elaborate process that's all laid out on, on our website. And I can provide that URL for your audience that they can check it out, learn about how to lay their blanket down, but one of the most special parts about this process and people leaving their blankets out overnight is that um, people bring canned goods to lay their blankets down. And so what this oh, means. That's, oh, that, yeah, that's right. So then that goes to your food bank. Exactly. And so last year we raised 24,400 pounds of canned food for Helena Food Share. And this year we have a goal of raising 23,000 pounds in 2023. So it really does so much good for the community and we're very, very excited. So people take their dinner, they bring beer and wine or and Coca-Cola or Pepsi or whatever their product is. And then they bring dinners. And I mean, we had like a feast Oh yeah. and, and you're seeing everybody in town. And last year, um, God kind of outdid you guys a little bit. <laughs> He, there was a thunder and lightning storm. And here's the funniest thing, you guys. It ran through right at the beginning, poured, poured mm -hmm. through, went through. Nobody got up and left. And as soon as it, went, it passed through, because that's Montana, it comes, it goes. Mm -hmm. then, the, then the concert started. It was a little late, but it started up and everybody was like, okay, now we go. You know, and it was it made it kind of more exciting, actually, I thought. I, mean, I think like so. And I know that um, we are planning on having beautiful weather this weekend. So fingers yeah. crossed that we don't have to deal with any unpredictable storms again this year. But the other special thing is that we we're able to bring so many wonderful vendors from around the community. So there's going to be food trucks and local restaurants that are going to be serving food on the campus of Carroll College. And so if you don't bring your own dinner, there will be plenty of amazing local fare that people can purchase at the event. You know, you should have planned it differently and had it tonight because if we get that, we're supposed to get that, um, uh, the Northern Lights tonight. Oh, could I know. You, could you imagine if you guys planned it and you had the Northern Lights, the symphony, bah, 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 and then the jazz, the women of jazz singing on, oh my gosh, it just, oh, that'd probably, it'd probably be too much, Cameron. And then how do you top that next year? You know? Well, 
And I think that our fireworks display is the only thing that could potentially oh top it. So the concert concludes um, within the final piece that we performed during the evening. We have one of the most extraordinary fireworks displays, also sponsored by Intrepid Credit Union. Um, and that really wraps up the concert and is just such a wonderful highlight that people love every year. All right. Cameron, thank you so much for coming on and talking about it. And again, that's Saturday night. Everybody get out there. It's under the stars with the, uh, I almost said Eugene Symphony with the Helena <laughs> Symphony. <laughs> I'll get yeah. it sooner or later. Cameron, thank you so much for coming on. Of course. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Right. See you later. And there you go. So that's this Saturday. Um, everybody takes their stuff down and uh, get your food ready. Uh, you know, just get your whole name. It's a great way to bring everybody together. And I think you will have a wonderful time. We did last year. So anyway. So um, sorry about the audio at the beginning. Sometimes when I get excited, I forget that I have the microphone over here and it gets really hollow sounding because I need it right here. And I get excited. And I, if you saw, I hit the mic and I went and then I realized it wasn't where it's supposed to be. So that little hollow thing. But you got the message. You understand. So be sure and show up for that and see what's going on. So next week, what's coming up on Get Real with Rick Dancer? Um, on, on Tuesday, uh, we have a guy, young man, really cool, Kendall, young man who's walking across the United States to bring awareness to mental health issues, uh, drug addiction, and um, a life of crime. And he's an expert because that's how he lived. It's a super interesting interview, and he's really upfront and honest. You're going to really like it. That's Tuesday night. Uh, five o'clock Oregon time, six o'clock Montana. On Wednesday, I'm going to try my sisters. Two of my three sisters are coming to town. Uh, one's my twin and one's my little sister. And so I'm going to try to get them this to do a podcast with me so they can, you guys can hear some of the shit that I did when I was a kid. And they'll tell, they'll tell you all kinds of embarrassing things. So I think they're going to come on on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, I have a woman from Portland has had eight successful businesses, but finally found the one that makes her heart come alive. And it's a sipping vinegar and it's really good. And it's not about the sipping vinegar, although I put it in everything. I mean, I had tuna today. I put the sipping vinegar in it. Um, she's amazing. And, but the story that's really cool is how she's been so successful and really kept looking and looking until she found what really makes her come alive. Bill London will also be here that day with more and whatever else we come up with for a Thursday. So that's what's coming up next week. Have a great weekend and share this on your page if you would. We'd really appreciate that to let people know what's going on. All right, I'm Rick Dancer. This is Get Real with Rick Dancer. It has been wonderful being with you tonight. Good night.